ceremony on the, on the wedding of her Enochol, and she should she and all Thank of us you. should only have Hasidic Shanachas, Simchas with happy hearts and in great and good health. Amen. Amen. For everybody. Thank you. Amen. Um, we're learning the Sicha in the Schos of Rafor Shlema for Yosef Yitzhak Ben Sima Chasya. Um, I also want to dedicate the Shir. Um, uh, uh, Rachel is asking that everyone should have in mind Amir Liora Bas Michal Ronit, who is in labor right now. Um, and she and her husband should marry to have a healthy child and to bring him up. Um, I want to also uh, dedicate the share to my grandmother, Harabanis Chava Bas Harabatadik, Rabbi Ram Yeshua Heschel, um, whose yard site it is today. And um, of course, it's Chafei Adar, and it is the birthday of our dear Rebetzin. And uh, I know that this sheer, like any of our good works, um, makes her proud and gives her nachas ruach. Um, today's sicha is Tazria Parshas HaChodesh, Chelek Yud Zayin. And um, I think Joni has, has uh, kissed me before about saying so often, this is a Meredika sicha, this is a Meredika sicha, but what can I do? It's just the truth. Aleph, the Seif Aleph. Bekama Shonim, Hakfiyas to Shabbos Parshas Chaydesh, Kiki Vishana Zu, Bishabbos Parshas Tazria. And many years it comes out that the Kfiyas, the way that the calendar is set, is that we read Parshas Chaydesh on the same Shabbos as Parshas Tazria. And because everything regarding Tyra is exact. So from this very fact that these two parshias, that these two readings converge, it proves that there is a um, a, um, a common theme that binds them. Shall Mole came because if not, then the Torah of Truth would not have connected these by having them converge on the same shops. Amdam, however, at first blush, it appears, not only do they not seem to have, to, not only do they not seem to share a common theme, on the contrary, they are polar opposites. We call it even though the propensity of Sukkim in that Parsha, like the Rebbe is going to say, are about bringing the Korban Pesach, but we call it because it begins with the Pasuk, this month will be for you the head of all months. And this is a reference to Chaydesh Nisan. And the whole Indian of Nisan is that it's a Chaydesh Hagula, it's a month of redemption, and they should help that we should all see 
Geulas and Yeshuas and the main Geula finally. And this is something, and the Geula is something that has to come from above. And like our Chachamim taught us, that there is a Pasuk in Shir, and Shir, Shir Hashirim that relates to this Indian of Geula, the voice of my beloved, here it comes, or it is approaching. More than that, it is coming. The next word of the Pasuk is skipping. That it's coming even faster. It skips over when it really should come and comes even before that. And at first blush, this is talking about the fact that the Geula from Mitzrayim came after 210 years, even though the Kates was 400 years. So behold, the, the um, voice of my beloved is coming to save me. And it is um, skipping or leaping over the time that was supposed to be. And all of this is and clearly all of this is an overture from above. Only Hashem can bring the Geula. Only Hashem can leap over any and all demarcations and parameters. And it is for this reason, and because it's talking about Nisan, and because it's Chaydash Geula, the whole parsha is called parsha sachidish, even though, even though, most of it as we're going to see now is sort of about the dine carbon pesach. The ilushar psukim oiskim b'dine carbon pesach. The he hanaisenes, and this is exactly the thing. This exactly underscores this point. Carbon pesach, who al shame, u pasach Hashem. We bring a carbon Pesach, which again is to commemorate that Hashem leaped over, skipped over. And this points to a salvation that comes in a way of leaping or skipping over bounds. And this is only something that can come from above. Hashem, the king of all kings, revealed himself and he saved them. He, re- he redeemed them. And so this is the, the content of what we refer to when we talk about Parshas HaChodesh, Chodesh Nisan, Chodesh HaKa'ula. This is the energy. So this is the energy of the special reading of Parshas HaChodesh. Masha Enkein, but in contradistinction, Teichen Parshas Tazria, it seems that the content of Parshas Tazria, Loshen Ekeva, Koloshen HaKosov Koydem Lozeh, Isha Kisazria, so we have a more of a feminine energy, who compares Admar Hazokim B'Maimer, and in accordance with what the Altarab explained in the Maimer, Ish Mazria Tchilo Yeledes Nekeva, Isha Mazras Tchilo Yeledes Zachar, that when a man gives forth seed, a girl is born. And when the woman gives forth seed first, a boy is born. And the Altarab explains in Maimer 
And that when we say the man and the woman here, this alludes to Hashem, who is the man, and Knesset Yisrael, who is the woman. And when there is an overture from above, when the man gives forth seed first, that the arousal for a certain person to serve Hashem comes first from above, from Hashem, then an akeva is born. And what does this mean? So please, everybody, don't take offense at this. We, are, we're, we understand that we're learning. These are intellectual constructs. There's a place to talk about all the great things about women. Everybody, you know, you, you got this. So according to Hasidus, the feminine trait doesn't have the same staying power. It's not a bas kayama. It's not something that remains. Bidugmas, okay, everybody, nashim shadaitan kala. And this is in accordance with the, with the words of the Gemara that women, their das is light. And um, it, it explains that there's this idea that the male, when, when, when let's say he makes up his mind, it, it, it has more kium. It's more intransigent. It's, it's, it's less malleable. Uh, whereas a woman, um, it, it, it could be more malleable or often is more malleable, et cetera, et cetera. And this is not the time and the place to go into that. Of course, we already know this, that everything has mylas and everything has chesrenas. And uh, probably everybody here understands very well the chesaron of this uh, and also the myla. Um, but that's for another class. Anyway, so but when the Jew, the Isha, gives forth the seed first, when it's in a sarusa dolatata, it's, it's, it's an arousal from below, when the Jew becomes aroused, then a zakhar is born. What does it mean? The Avaida that is done has staying power. And there's so many sikhs about this, about, I mean, we just came from Purim, Kimu Vikiblo Hayahudim, that the Jews undertook the Torah and Purim, and that this was a Sarusa de la Tata, in contradistinction to Matan Torah, that was a Sarusa de la Ela. And so, therefore, there wasn't staying power to that, and there was Chete Egel, and then there was the Kimu Vikiblo. Okay. But in accordance with what we just learned, So we're talking uh, that, that the energy and the overarching theme or schema of Parshas Tazria is about the overture from below. Isha Kisazria. Isarusa Dilatata. So the Rebbe is pointing out that we emerge from the premise that everything in Torah is exact. And so if many, many years, these two parshas coalesce, then it must be they, they share something. 
And yet, at first blush, they seem to be not only not uh, sharing a common theme, but actually antithetically opposed to one another. Because the whole Indian of HaChaydesh is Milmaila. It's all Hashem decides this is the first month, a month, Hashem creates a month, Hashem decides this is going to be your first month, Hashem decides that Hashem is going to be when the moon is reborn, and so on and so forth. So that's the energy of a chaydish. Plus, the Rebbe said, it's all really about the geula, and the geula can only come from above, and especially a geula that comes by if a medalic, that it, it leaps over all constraints and bounds and parameters and so on and so forth. And then on the other hand, we have the Parsha's theme, which seems to be very much rooted in the overture below, base. Can I ask you a question? Hi. Hi. So I want to know, so when I think about Sarusa de la Tata, or that Hashem gave the Torah to B'nai Adam, and you know, we have the power, I always think of Dafke Rosh Chodesh, the whole idea of, of the testigos, the witnesses that um, say <laughs> maybe that's what they're going to later bring in. No. Let me doesn't reference that here, but you're absolutely correct. I mean, again, when we learn, we find the old expression that all the mashpiyim use and all the teachers use when you learn Hasidus, so there's no question, there's no question that the whole idea, I mean, the Rebbe always comes an idea that the Ebesha says, you create the Mayadim, because like you're saying, the witnesses are the ones who tell you when is the new. And that's a classic example. Like, uh, like Paragum is a classic example of Chayk. Correct, correct, correct. Alt, alt MS, alt MS. But here the Rebbe is focusing on a different thing, that the whole construct of time, okay. that's a godly creation. I mean, you could say the same the second example of Geula. First of all, thank you, I understand. But I'm saying also the example of Geula. It's Tutal uh, Tzikent. You know what I'm saying? It's like... So uh, Rabbi Adinstein Zalt, years ago, I, I don't know if it was a speech or something he wrote, but he took the example of labor and delivery. Okay. And I remember how interesting it was because I remember it was juxtaposed against, do you remember the craze of birth plans? Girls would go into the hospital. They had a birth plan of how their baby was going to be born. So maybe he heard about it. Maybe that was part of it. But he, he talked about how in Geula, there's this binary because a woman does have to push and a woman can in some ways help her labor along. Like if she walks rather than, than gets into bed and puts her feet up and works against gravity, et cetera, et cetera, right? So there is the overture that has to come from below. But when the baby is born, that's, that's Milmaila. So in everything, there's the push-pull, there's the binary. But here the Rebbe is saying, but there's a stark <clears throat> difference in, in, in an overarching way. One is about the Geula which no matter how much and how much we push, and every time there's a contraction, we push and we push with all our might, but, but the baby's going to come when the apes should decide it. There's both. And the, and the same thing in this Indian, I think. Thank you have you. a headache, Rachi? No. <laughs> oh, I don't know why. It's Thank you. a headache the way you're... Okay. Base. Okay, somebody's asking um, if we could save all the questions for the end, so we will we will do that. Okay, base. 
על הפסק החדש הזה לכם ראש חדשים, ראשון הוא לכם לחודשי השנה. So the Torah says, this month will be for you the head of all months, the first month of the year. There are a number of ways of approaching this, um, this puzzle. There are a number of ways of explaining this. And amongst those, here are two explanations. Aleph. The first thing is that there's a upshot. It's explained, Evan Ezra explains, regarding the idea of a year, a month and a year, that mitzad mahalach halavana ein geder deshana klal. Ein lalavana shana klal. What is, so first, first I'll just translate and then we'll try to explain that when you look at the cycle of the moon, the orbit of the moon, so there's no aspect of year. Ein lalavana shana klal. What does this mean? Because in the lunar cycle, the lunar cycle can only help you determine the month. And in every month, there's chav tes yayim, v'chazi, ubeiz yadeis, sha'a, v'ayin gimel chalakim. And every month is comprised of 29 and a half days, two-thirds of an hour, and 73 chalakim. Now, um, we, the, I don't know about you, but the only time I hear the word chalakim is um, if I'm in shul for Shabbos Mubarakim, and when they announce the moilat, when they announce when the moon will be reborn, they say exactly what day and what time and how many chalakim. So what's chalakim? So very, very quickly, chalakim, um, is how many parts there are in an hour. And um, according to halacha, actually, and, and this was set by um, the Chachamim in, in, in Shevet Yisachar, there are 1,080 chalakim in an hour. Okay, now hold on to your seat. If you ask a physician, a modern physician, especially a pulmonologist, you ask them, how many breaths does an adult, a healthy adult take in an hour? They'll tell you between 16 and 18 breaths. If you do the math, we take 1,080 breaths, give or take in an hour exactly, which is exactly the amount of halakim that our Misera tells us there is in an hour. And Hasidus explains that the Abishter is Mahave, the world, with a different energy in every chalik of every hour. So every time we breathe, we're breathing in what the Abisha just exhaled. Just saying. Okay. So now going back to the Sikha. Um, so Mistayim Sibuf Sholim. So after this 29 and a half days, two thirds of an hour, 73 chalakim, the moon makes a complete cycle, a complete um, revolution. So what this means is that this is also in regard to the position of the sun that has now changed in relation to the earth. And this is the reason why um, we don't count the month as 27 days and 20 minutes, 
uh, but it takes longer. It takes 29 and a half days and two thirds of an hour, 73 halakim, to adjust for the movement of the sun. And then, and then we have the new rebirth of the moon. But in the revolution, in the cycle, in the orbit of the moon, there's nothing that relates to the yearly cycle and separates one year from another. On the other hand, when you're looking at the sun itself, the, the orbit of the sun has no bearing on the cycle of the moon. The, the, the sun has no um, relation to the sun. Because the yearly revolution or orbit of the sun, who shall so this is 365 days and six hours, give or take, and this is the revolution that produces the, the cycle, the orbit that produces the four seasons of the year. But there is nothing in the cycle of the sun that can impact the parameters of the month. So now the Rebbe says, now let's look back at the Pasuk. The Pasuk is Pasuk so the Pasuk that says, this month shall be for you, the head of all the months, relates or speaks to the moon. Like, like Chazal tell us, B'nai Yisrael count by the moon. And it begins from the first month, which is Chaydash Nisan. And a contradistinction, the head of the year, which is correlated with the solar orbit, is Tishrei. So that's one explanation on this Pasuk. Beis, al Midrash. Medrash teaches, al Amru Chazal, our sages taught, from when Hashem chose his world, he established months, heads of months, and years. Hashem created something called the dimension of time. And when Hashem chose Yaakov and his sons, that would be us, Hashem established the Reish Chodesh and the month of Geula, count from Nisan. And the Bala Akeda explains, What's the difference between Hashem chose his world and Hashem chose Yaakov and his children, B'nai Yisrael? Hainu. Hanhoga hativi shenikva bivriya. The fact that the Abishra chose to run this world through the rules of nature, this was, this was set when God created the world. 
And the head of this um, dynamic is Chaydash Tishrei. When Hashem chose Yaakov and his children, this talks to the paradigm of miracles, right? The whole nation was founded from Avram having and Sarah having a child, Dafka, not born through anything less than a set of miraculous circumstances. All about Nisim. Shidud Hateva. It's about overriding or circumventing nature. And Hashem overrides nature all the time for Yaakov and his children. And the head of this aspect, this system, this paradigm is this is Chaydash Nisan. Okay? Gimel. Now the Rebbe says something he says very, very often that that when you see Mephorshim, when you see different ways of understanding a certain Indian or a certain Pasuk, as divergent as they may appear, they are all linked. Because if they're all Tyrus Emes on one Indian, then they all have to be linked. They all have to be Shayach Zelazah. And so it is in what we're discussing now. Beis and Yonimanal, the two above uh, mentioned explanations. The difference between the solar orbit and the, and the lunar one. The, the way in which what the year is based in the solar cycle and the moon in the lunar cycle. And the difference between the way the world runs in accordance with Teva, with nature, and at the same time, all the Nisim, which are opposites. So these two explanations are connected one with the other. The whole um, paradigm of, of nature, it's all about consistency. Does not cease. It continues an unremitting matter in the same way. Constant and consistent with no changes. And this is and so the best uh, analogy for this is the sun, the light of the sun, and the orbit of the sun, in which there is no variation. And this is in accordance with the fact that the year, the Hebrew word for year is shana, which is etymologically linked with the word mishnah, which means to repeat, the same thing, to repeat. Mahalach Hashemish echod so every time the sun orbits, it returns back in the same cycle. It's again and again and again. But in contradistinction, when you talk about miraculous things, he initial chiddush. What do we call a miracle? Only something that is novel. Only something that does not happen day in and day out. 
It's always a chiddush. It's only sometimes that Hashem overrides or subverts the rules of nature. And only for a short amount of time. And this um, is embodied in the light and the cycle of the moon. The light is always different, right? We talk about a full moon, a small moon, a sliver of a moon. And, and the moon is constantly regenerating itself. And that's why it's called a chaydesh. Chaydesh is etymologically milashan chidush, novel, something new. Dalit. There's so much to say here, but I'm just going to try to control myself about, you know, the feminine energy and the idea of rejuvenation and the malleability and the ability to change. And the underbelly is the the Nashim Daitan Kalis, because something that is more malleable and um, less rigid and and, um, more, there's more give and take. There's, of course, the Maila and the Chesar, but not for now. Dalit. Avol Okay, so we have to understand. Aleph. Okay, so the Rebbe has set out this, this binary of two energies that seem to be antithetical. But the Rebbe says, but the Pasuk, but if you look at the Pasuk that we started with from a Parshas HaChaydis that we're going to read this, this coming week, Niskaru Beis in Yanim. But if you look at the Pasuk, the Pasuk actually mentions two things. It talks about how this month will be the first of the months, Nisan. But then it says, But then it doubles back and it says this will be the first month in the months of the year. That Chaydesh Nisan is not only the first of the months, she is the first in all the months of the year, so it's not understood. The Pasuk seems to be speaking about Chaydesh, which has to do with the moon, the and the Rebbe cited above the expression that when you're talking about the moon, it's got nothing to do with the year meaning the cycle of the moon doesn't impact the cycle of the year. So, so then why would the Pasuk say, which is that it does have to do with the year? On the other hand, and now referencing the Medrash, that when the Ebster chose his world, which is Shaykh Latishrei, what we said above, Niskar Loira Kava Boishanim. So there it talks not only about that the Abishra created years of Rashi Chadashim, but there it speaks in that measure that the Abishra created also months and heads of months. Ulich and it would seem, Beme Shaykh Lagabe Habria, Teva in your Chaykh Kidash Nes. So if you're talking about Bachar Ba'ilama, the Abishrit chose his world, which is the Indian, the Medrash says, of Teva. So then why would you bring in Chadashim? Chadashim is the whole Indian of Chidush, of novelty, of Ness. So we're forced to say, 
דאף שבכלולוס חודש תשרי שייך לעניין הטבע, that although generally speaking the month of תשרי is connected to the Indian of Teva, of nature, which is connected to the Indian of the solar cycle, the year, the unchanging, the unremitting, the Nisan, the Indian Hanes, and when the Eibishter Bachar Biyakov, one of the Eibishter chose Yaakov and his sons, that has to do with Nisan, and that has to do with Nes, and that has to do with Chidush, Mikomakoim Yeshna Hiskalalos Beinehem. But still in all, there is an intersectionality between them. See, Hasidus is always ahead of the curve. So about five years ago, they burst on the academic scene, this Indian of intersectionality, which usually is malignant. Um, but that's the idea of Iskalavos that Hasidus speaks about all the time, the integration, the synergy of what seem to be divergent things. Gam bivriya gufa. So even in creation, in that first paradigm, when Abishah chose his world, before he chose Yaakov and his children, Yeshna initial nest, there is always, even in the unchanging cycle of the sun, even in Teva, there is always an aspect of the novel, of the new, of the miraculous, the Reish Chodesh. And the same thing on the other side. The novelty of choosing Yaakov and his children. Teva, uh, I'm sorry. This finds expression not only in miraculous things, in the idea of Chodesh, but it also finds expression in the changes that are endemic to the unremitting cycle of nature. So there's a hiskalalos, there's an integration, there's an intersectionality. Hey, for you, Vaughn, I will understand this. And we will understand this better by prefacing with a deeper exploration about the content and the intention, the innermost intention of these two strands, Shana and Levana, Teva and Nes, Oilam and Yaakov Uvanov, Teva Venes, Ashashtehen Nechutzeis Kedei Lahashlim Kavona Sabria. Both are necessary to bring the intention of this world to fruition, Bilagalis Inin Glossa Yisbarach, and to reveal the greatness of Hashem. But there is a difference. The, the goal of the miraculous is to reveal the infinity of godliness. I know this means. As Hayes Hakadashbaru Ligamre Mina Oilam. How the Abishter completely transcends this world. And so, this infinity, this transcendence, this aspect of transcendence is grasped and felt in this world through the abnegation of the world and its laws of nature. This is felt and grasped and recognized 
when the laws of nature are overridden. And this is proof positive. This is exhibit A, that all the laws of nature hold no light compared to Hashem. That, that all the laws of nature must yield to the infinity of Hashem. Masha Enkin, a contradistinction, what's the, the goal of nature? He legalois as his lapsus hakadish borhu ba'ilam achagam mitsias oilam yuchadism hakadish borhu. The whole point of nature is to reveal how Hashem in clothes is vested in the world. So, really, the whole existence of the world and all the laws of nature are one with an, an expression of Hashem. The gam chuke hatevahim and haka elokis. The laws of nature are, are godly. They're expressions of God. And because the world was created, like Rashi tells us in the very first Rashi, for the Torah and for B'nai Yisrael, we're forced to say, every aspect of creation is dependent on the behavior, the comportment, of B'nai Yisrael. Umizem Mubana, from this is understood. Shaloi rakan hagan nisis akshurl in Bachar Biakavivan of Kluya Bavodis B'nai Yisrael. It's not only the miraculous that is connected to Hashem choosing Yaakov and his children that is dependent on our Avaida, on the Avaida B'nai Yisrael. Ela av ze shabachakash brochu bailaman, but also. The strand of nature that Hashem chose the world, the way the world operates in all of its natural um, rules and paradigms and parameters. This too is dependent on the Avaida B'nai Yisrael. But each one of these two strands is dependent on a strand of our avoda that is parallel to that energy. Because generally speaking, you could say that the way in which we do our avodas Hashem can also be subdivided in two strands. First, we have the modality of Kabbalah's all of accepting Hashem's yoke. That means you accept it, whether you understand it, whether it resonates with you, whether you feel calibrated and aligned with it, you accept it. And you accept it, and you have Messiah's Nefesh for it. And this is Avodas Hashem she'ena ba mitzad ha'seichel behegesh v'cholei shaloi, and this is the strand of service to Hashem that is not dependent on and does not emerge from our seichel and our feelings. Ve'ena elamilui v'kiim harotzen eliyam tichbitol. It is simply the fulfillment of the celestial desire that comes through bittel, through self-abnegation.
And so therefore, it's also not a type of Aveda that is measured, that is quantified and qualified by the limitations and the parameters of our existence. So it's not based on our intellect. It's not based on our IQ. It's not based on our EQ. And this modality, this paradigm, this strand of and this arouses a reciprocal and concomitant um, uh, overture of the miraculous. And this affects the abnegation of the laws of nature in this world. There's so much here to bring about, okay? But when, but when we act with Monsieur Snefesh and, and total Bittal and Kabbalah's all, we're actually able to override or subvert the laws of nature. Probably everybody here has some kind of example or vignette that they could think of. But on the other hand, your existence, your whole heart, your whole soul, your emotions, your intelligence, it has to be suffused, it has to be pervaded with and therefore it's not enough to just do because then you're leaving behind huge parts of yourself but you have to serve Hashem through your understanding and you have to serve Hashem through your emotions and this impacts the natural laws of nature. And this causes the existence of the world to be united with godliness. Zion. Now, you guessed it. The ultimate goal is harehi achdos benid he his achdos but the ultimate goal, of course, is to bring unity, bring synergy, um, to bind together the Indian of Ness and the Indian of Teva. The fact that Ness and Teva are two different modalities this is only from the perspective of the consumer this is only how we take in the revealed lights when we experience this there is a divergence there is a separation into two vectors, two pathways, two modalities, two avenues. There's the kav shel bleakvul. The way we experience life, there's the infinite. And this expresses itself and appears in the world 
in the guise of nature, uh, of, of miracles, the hakab and the vector or the pathway, the koyche bigvol of Hashem's koyach as it expresses itself in within parameters, the infinite as expressed within finitude, this expresses itself in the world in hanhokas hateva, in the laws of nature. Avo mitzad But when you're talking about from the perspective of the producer, from, from Abishter, from Atmos, Beligvul, Ugvul, Enam base carbon. Over there, there's, there's no divergence. There, there's no two pathways. Elohim Idinechot, they're one thing. Bitu They are uh, an expression of Hashem's completeness. Ukemaimer Hayadua, and like the well known uh, aphorism in a Sefer Avodas HaKadosh, if you were to say that the Abishur is just infinite, but cannot be expressed within finitude, then, then, then you're taking away from Hashem's completeness and greatness. And this, by the way, was the grave mistake the Rambam explains of, of, of the philosophers, Aristotelian philosophy and so on and so forth, that, that God is too transcendent to be uh, immersed or even involved in the machinations of what's going on in this world. This means that when you get into the innermost understanding of this, when you're talking about an expression of God's omnipotence and therefore the true intention of creation from the producer side, this is only completed this only comes to fruition through the synergy of nace, the infinite and teva the expression within finitude. And the same is true in each one of our avoida. Every Jew is called on to unite both of these modalities. The Messiris Nefesh and the Kabbalah's all which is a tenua uh, modality of milmaila from above. Like it says that when a yid acts with a serious nefesh, you're pulling on the echida sheba nefesh. You're pulling on the deepest part, an atmos. Mitam, mitam, and, and that, that's higher than tam vadas. That's higher than your understanding and your intellect. And that has to be united. It has to be united with the kaychas that we have within us, our intelligence, our emotive factors, etc., etc. The Indian Zenasa al yedei his eros etzeb hanashama, and Chasidus over and over and over and over hammers home this point that all dichotomy, all divergence, all antithetical ideas all coalesce together in atzmos. There, there's no divergence. And this co coalescence happens through arousing the etzim hanashama. Shemitzida, 
because in the place of the etzem haneshama, which is atzmos, because there, these two modalities of avoida are not antithetical. On the contrary, they are in complete synergy. They're completely combined. So because once we understand that essentially and in their source, the miraculous and the natural are one thing, move on is understood. So this also manifests in the way that they devolve into this world. And even though when they come into this world, they appear in revealed fashion as to opposing modalities, but in truth, they are part of one whole. And this comes to expression, this, this is expressed in the fact that when you look at Teva, even within Teva, as the Rebbe is going to explain in the next part of the Sicha, there is a strand of the supernatural, the miraculous. And in like fashion, on the other hand, as the Rebbe is going to explain in the 11th part of the Sicha, that Ness is connected to Nyoni HaTeva. Um, Sarah Yehudit Schneider, who is a, just a, an amazing teacher and, and writer. Um, so I once, uh, she, I, I saw this, I think, written. She also spoke about this. That what's, what's a paradox? She says a paradox is a truth, an idea so deep, so wide, so high that it can't come down into this world in one fell swoop as one thing. So it comes down as two antithetical ideas so that they can be grasped, but really they are two sides of one coin. They are two parts of one truth. This is, this is precisely what, what, what the Rebbe is teaching us here and more. Tess. Vabir was an explanation of how there's this hiskalalos, this intersectionality between Nais and Teba. So we'll understand this when we understand that there are two ways of recognizing Hashem's greatness in Teva itself. Aleph. One way is one way is simply to contemplate, to ruminate on, on the world, on, on the way the world runs. The orbits of the various planets, etc., etc. And through this, And when a person looks at the world, at, the, at nature, at the mind-boggling, dazzling way in which the world is run, you have to come to a recognition that there has to be a boss. And he's the one who is 
pulling the strings of Mother Nature. And like the Rambam wrote, regarding Abraham Avinu, how he started to ruminate and postulate, how is it possible that this planet should, should run constantly in an unremitting fashion and, 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 and there's, no, there's, no, there's no captain for the ship? Who is running this? It's not possible for this, for this planet to, to just orbit on its own. That's one way of recognizing Hashem and Terah. The second way, So you could say that one way is by looking at all the moving parts, by looking at the plurality, by looking at the multifariousness, by looking at how all the aspects of this world in the environment all converge on supporting human life, which is not true of other planets. Okay, so one way is contemplating the diversity. And the second way is by contemplating the unremitting, the unchanging, the lack of change. How the sun rises every morning, how the sun sets every afternoon. And through this, a person also comes to grasp and to recognize that this uniformity, that this constancy, that this consistency is not possible without some transcendent force. Because People, Nivrayim, anything that's created, are always um, losing traction. We are, first of all, we're changing. We're Bali Shinri, we're always changing, but we're also Nifsadim. We are always being diminished. There's a very fancy word, I don't recall it, and I never knew how to pronounce it properly, but it's the clinical or scientific word for the fact that the minute you're born, you're beginning to die incrementally. So somebody knows, you can tell us. But, but no, that's the law of entropy. That if that is, which we all know, no, it's not atrophy and it's not entropy. And entropy is the idea that if you're not building it up, it's it's devolving, it's being destroyed. Anybody who runs a house, runs an organization, knows. <laughs> the law of entropy is unremitting. It doesn't it doesn't suffer fools. And you always have to be constantly building things up because otherwise they will, they will go bye-bye. But, um, but this is the idea that we're, we're constantly losing traction. We're, we're losing vivifying power. Anyway, not for the light of Hashem that is enclosed, that is vested in the parameters of the world, the world would, would have to crumble, but Teva is able to go on in unremitting, constant, undiminished fashion because of the Kayach Eloki that is vested, the infinite that is vested within finitude. So therefore, 
So within Teva, you have the modality of higher than Teva, transcendence. The idea that Hashem says, I don't change. Yud. And now we can circle back and understand in a whole new way the explanation of what Chazal said when they said, Right? The Rebbe's question was, why would it talk about Shanim when it talks about I'm sorry, why would it talk about Rashi Chadashim? Mishabarash Bahubai Lamai talks to nature. Nature is about the sun, it's about the unchanging, it's about the unremitting. So why would it also say Chadashim, which is about Chidush? But Milosh Chazal Muban, She'ein Midubarkan Oydes Alamai Kefishum Tadbriyas Ha'ilam. A Chazal, we're not talking about Alamai the way it is through pedestrian creation. But it's when you're talking about how Hashem chose the world. In the same way that Hashem chose Yaakov and his children. And it's Davka through the Abishtas Bechira, covered by Rashi Chadashim Vishanim. The Rebbe um, doesn't go into it at, 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 at great length, but he very, very quickly references, and if we have time, I'm going to read a poem by the great poet Yeshua November about the fact that only the Abishter has true Bechira. So when the Abishter created the world, a world could be created in many different ways. The Abishter chose creation. Ah, oh, mitzad Bechira zudafka. So on top of what you would think a world needs, if you're going to create a world, the Abishter created a Hisafa, an added overlay. The Rebbe is going to explain this because if you're wondering in your head, I don't understand. The whole world is an overlay, right? The whole world is a Hisafa. The Abishter needed a world like a hole in the head. It's like, so, so, <laughs> Why is one thing more of a suffer than another? One second. The ain't a movement, and it's not understood. Sorry, what's that? Somebody want to ask something? After we speak about Rashi Chadashim and Shanim, as being part of nature. And Teva is called Teva because Hidbia, Hashem sunk these laws into the world, into creation. That's where, the, that's the edaman of the word Teva. Hidbia, HaKadosh Baruch Hu So then it becomes part of Bria. Once the Abishter puts these laws into Bria, it's part of creation. Vim Kain. So how can you say that this is mitzad bechira when it seems that these laws become part of the world? What is this higher revelation, this high safa, this overlay on top of bria? 
Ella Habir was the explanation is Mitzad Inyan Bochakash Brochu Boilamai. When you talk about Hashem choosing this world, Vahare Inyan Habachira Lamitasai who rock bats Musayis Barach. And the truth of the matter is that choice, true Bechira, only Hashem has unfettered choice. Only Hashem. He adua as it's known. One second. I'm just going to. I'm just going to read the poem right now. He adua must be a nod to this poem. Hold on one second. I'm going to read it very very quickly. If I could find it very very quickly. I should have prepared this before and only came to me now when I'm talking and I can't remember exactly. I don't know why I can't remember exactly which one it is. Ah. Okay, I can't find it now. I'm sorry. Um, Sipa, you have Yeshua's books? Maybe you can find the poem and, and tell me which poem it is and which book, and, and I'll read it later. What's the poem called? That's what I don't know. But it's the poem about Rabbi, um, who's that tall, you know, Rabbi in, 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 in Marstown. Rabbi Dubinsky? Yes, Rabbi Dubinsky, teaching about Bechira Chavshis, and Yeshua talks about how we don't have choice. We will choose the tea. That's Are you looking for favorite. it? Okay, if not, okay. it's not. Okay, if not, I'm gonna work not. on this. Okay, it's it's not. It, it doesn't have to be. But anyway, it's it's a very beautiful expression of, of this idea. Okay, so um, so where are we? So so this idea that only the Abishra has bechira, because even when we make choices, we're not really making choices. We're making our choices based on factors that are not under our control. So therefore. Our very choice is being orchestrated by factors beyond us, whereas the Abish is constrained by nothing and no one at all. And that's therefore true Bechira belongs only to Hashem. So then on that level, Teva and higher than Teva are one thing. And therefore, within Teva, within nature, which should be something that is constantly devolving and <clears throat> corroding and eroding, there is still this eternal factor, which is the transcendent factor, which is the factor that comes from I am Hashem and I never change. And this explains the Maimar Chazal, that from when Hashem chose his world, he created Rashi Chadashim Vishanim. He created both years, the idea of Teva, but also Rashi Chadashim, the Nisi, the transcendent, the higher than Teva. This speaks about the Nisi, the transcendent, the miraculous that is embedded in Teva. 
heder hashinui. And so you have change and fluctuation and variation that is embedded in the idea of sameness and unremitting flow that has no different permutations at all. Any news on the poem? No? Okay, don't worry about it. Okay, um, see if you don't. Okay, shame. My husband's she... looking for it and I texted oh, the wife of the author. Thank so you, we'll... Thank you, thank you, thank you. See what we come up with. Okay, thank you. It's gorgeous. Yudalif. And just like in Teva, there's also this aspect of higher than nature. It's the same thing the other way. Look at this. Miracles are not limited. Miracles are not limited to being expressed only in the miraculous. The expression of the infinity of God is not only expressed in what is overtly miraculous, but you have the whole idea that the transcendent, the miraculous, is always tempering and changing the so-called laws of nature. So, so much so that nature itself reveals the godly and the miraculous. And therefore, when you talk, generally speaking, about miracles, so you have a whole genre of miracles that are vested in nature. And in this, you have two extremes. On one hand, you could have a nest that is higher than Teva. And yet it is still equal to Nisim that are not embedded or enclosed in nature. Okay, if, if you're wondering what this means, hold on just to the end of this paragraph. Okay, and you could see this expressed in the halacha that we say the same bracha for Hanukkah. Hanukkah was not a miracle that was embodied, enclosed, vested in the laws of nature. And we say the same bracha on Purim, which is a holiday that embodies a nace that was completely, allegedly, through the machinations of politics and, and strategic planning and so on and so forth. More so, on the contrary, Amru Chazal. Our sages taught us, Okay, thanks, Tima. Um, that, that, that our Chazal taught us that it's dafka through the miracles that are vested and enclosed in Teva that we say, Only the Ebishter could make such a nest. However, this nest itself that is higher than Teva, but the Ebershter makes that this nest that really is completely transcendent should appear to us as it is vested in the laws of nature. 
And Hasidus explains that the highest level of a nace is a nace that is melubash, is vested in the laws of nature, and nature becomes like an axe in, in the hand of the of the of the woodchopper. In other words, it doesn't have any agenda of its own. It doesn't have any anything of its own. It's just a tool that is used by its master, that's manipulated. These are words we say in Yom Kippur. This means that in the miraculous that comes from a place that is transcendent and higher than Teva, Yeshna Hatuna de Teva. There is the modality of nature. So within higher than nature, within transcendence, within the miraculous, there is the modality of nature. Sharei, Shlitas Hanes Alateva, Teva. Okay, this is maybe we'll do this twice so we get the the, the, the depth and the nuance here. The way in which the miraculous is sovereign over nature is not in a way in which it overrides or overtly breaks Teva. Every time a baby is born, you know, congratulations, mazel tov, and and we are privileged enough that we know to say Baruch Hashem, and so on and so forth. But what happened here? Yeah, we say it's miraculous, but in medicine, they don't call this a miracle. They call this birthing. Birthing is exhibit A of a nace that is so malubish b'teva, it's so vested in nature that nobody says, oh my God, this was a medical anomaly. We just witnessed a miracle. Because what happened here? It's a nace that is higher than the kinds of nissim that override Teva. It's a nace that has elevated Teva to the level of nace. I have to interrupt for a second because I can't go on if we don't, if I don't ask this. So then really, really ultimately, everything in Teva is a nace. It's yep. just Hashem, it's just Hashem putting the nace, elevating the Teva that it's it, that it's that it doesn't look like a nace to us. Is that what it's saying ultimately? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Only Hashem could do this in place. And only we could be privileged enough to be learning on a level where we are, we are able to be given to understand how Teva is a higher nest than a nest. And the more embedded the nest is in Teva, the higher the nest. Because it just means that this is a nest that is so high that it doesn't break Teva, it just elevates the whole system. And everybody else just casually yawns. So now we're circling back. Now the Rebbe says, now you can understand why Nisan is not just the first of the months Nisan is Chaydish HaGa'ula, the Chaydish of Nisei Nisim. Ela Gamrishin L'chachay Hashana. 
כיוון שתכלס הנהגה הניסיס דניסן הוא להפך את הנהגתי בשנה. Because the whole point of the miraculous of Nisan is to transform the miraculous, the year, the constant, the nature. Until every aspect of the year, every aspect of the pedestrian, of the mundane, of the same old, of the natural, you'll be able to feel that it comes from Nisan, that it comes from Lemaila Menatev. I'll be calling now. So based on everything said above, Tuvan Gam Hashaychos being Parshas Achaydish the Parshas Tazriya. And now we finally circle back to the very beginning of the Sicha where the Rebbe says, wait a minute. If we read these two Parshas together so many years, then it must be that they share an Akuda Mishotefet. But at first glance, it seems like they're talking, they're coming from two different directions. One is all about Teva. One is all about Nais. One is all about the transcendent. One is all about the overture from below. But the Rebbe says, Achiluk ben Achaydish v'tazriya hukein Achiluk ben Nais v'teva. The difference between Parshas HaChadosh and Parshas Tazria, those two modalities are the same two modalities of miraculous and natural. HaChadosh Moira al Gilui Mil Maila. speaks to a revelation that comes from above, as the Rebbe stated in the first part of the Sicha. Shehula Maila Mehanifraim. This transcends creations. Kenyan Hanes is the Indian of Nes. Masha Enkin Tazria. In contradistinction, the whole idea of Tazria, Hamata. Conception happens here below. And it's connected with the existence of a person. So this is the Indian of Teva. And when you have a Kfiyas like this year, when Chaydish and Tazria converge, this underscores and reminds us that on the innermost level, they are one thing. And this circles back to Rachi's, what Rachi pointed out earlier, that in the transcendent, there is the partnership with the human. And that is that B'nai Yisrael get to call when is Rosh Chodesh. And therefore they get to call when is Yom Tov. Now the Rebbe says, And the way in which, this is just two sides of one coin, the way in which these two seemingly antithetical ideas coalesce in one will be revealed. When there will come to fruition the promise that is mentioned in Tehillim, a man and a man will birth. What does that mean? On one hand, you're not going to have the Isha, you're going to have the Ish, you're going to have the Maila of the Nes that comes from above. And on the other hand, see, because usually when Ish Masriya what do you get? You get a Nekeva. But when Mashiach comes, Ish Vi Ish Yuladba, you're going to get 
this harusa delayla, but what's going to be the result? That it's going to have kiyum. It's going to be a bar kayama. It's going to be a zohar is going to be born. Yeled a zohar. Hamayla sheyeshna betazria beteva, which is harusa delotata. So Mashiach comes, we're going to see how, we're going to see the convergence of everything, including Isarusa de la Ela, Isarusa de la Tata, and the strength of both sides of this. And this is precisely the kind of workout we need as we turn to our Pesach cleaning, uh, because with this kind of mindset, it's not going to bother us. We will just concentrate on these ideas and it'll be easier to do the nitty gritty, annoying physical work. But, uh, is this but our, head, our head will not be in Galoshin. Is this coming to say something about like gender won't be a significant difference between people when Mashiach comes? I'm not trying to go there. I'm just, I'm just trying to understand. Are you okay. sure? Are you sure you're not just trying to show us how woke you are? No, I, I'm just trying to understand ish for ish. That Are you weird. trying to get confirmed for the Supreme Court? <laughs> I'd like to say that there won't be a shidduch crisis because there's going to be many more boys and girls. Finally. But is, is that what it's saying? There that, will like, be no team? more crisis. The whole Indian of Golas is a shidduch crisis. We're not meeting our Abishter. And uh, it's a crisis, but there'll be no more shit a crisis. Um, no, I hear what you're saying. I don't think it's saying that. I think, and I could be wrong, um, Tipa. I think what it's saying is that we'll have the milas, all the milas from both. As the Mashiach comes, right now, every strength has its underbelly, has its weakness. You can't have, you know, you're constantly dealing with imperfection because we have a shit crisis in the perfection of the coalescence of us with HaKadosh Baruch Hu, so everything else is splintered. Everything else is in a state of dissonance. But when Mashiach comes, everything will finally be in a state of completion and wholeness and, um, and we'll have the Maila from both sides without having to deal with the Chesara. That's the way I understand it, but, but I, that doesn't, I mean, I'm sure there's is, many ways. Is the Isarusa de la Ela a masculine tenant or, or I'm like mixing that up? No, you're not. Isarusa de la Ela is the masculine. And the Isarusa de la Tata is the feminine. Correct. And that's, so why, is, that's why the Rebbe started by saying that, that Isha Kisazria Trila, when there's a Sarusa de la Tata, then Noilad Zohar. Then you get the Zohar. Then you get the strength of a Bas Kayama, something that will last. That was the reference earlier to Kimu Vakiblo Hayyahudim, not in the Sikha, but I just threw it in, as opposed to Matantera. Matantera was Ishmazriya Tila. Matantera was 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 Ela, the quintessential Isarusatila Ela. And and it wasn't it wasn't a, a bar kayama, it didn't last. Okay. Yeah, I just got of, the but poem. the whole story of Purim came about through a woman, but let's not go there. I Hiskalalus, just got the poem. Inter- you want the poem, Rifki? Yes, please. Could you read it? Read it for us, Tipa. Okay. I just posted it on the group also. Read it. It's beautiful. Whoever's still on deserves the of it. <laughs> the infinitely tall rabbi once again begins his lectures on free will. Imagine two cups of tea sit on a table. One simple plane. The other, scent of honey and lemons. If you choose the scented cup, your choice is not likely a free one. 
something outside yourself. Sweetness of honey, freshness of lemons compels your hand. Anyone who knows you could predict your decision or better said, you are a prisoner to your predilection for sweets and citrus fruit. So too, when a choice bends to the practical, you marry the medical resident and not the rabbinical student. The secret ambassador of reason has likely had his way with you. The same holds true, of course, if valuing spiritual life, you choose the future rabbi over the resident. Both decisions hang on a benefit, a reason, and as such are not free choices. Let's say, however, you desire something you cannot explain to yourself or anyone else, something you could just as well do without. Not thirsty one morning, you wake and decide you would like a plain cup of tea. Perhaps this decision comes from the space of intuition that hovers, unchained, above the regions of reason and emotion, a free space, a simple and undefined, a clean field of snow. Thank you so much, Tippa. If you are hungry for more such poetry, just Sichas and my Marim in the form of poetry, uh, two books, God's Optimism, and... Oh, that's why. You know what happened? I was looking in Baruch's book instead of Yeshua's book. Um, and that's why I couldn't find it. So one is God's optimism and one is two worlds exist. And probably this poem is in two worlds exist, which is why I couldn't find it. Um, so two worlds exist and God's optimism. And no, he did not pay me. And he's probably going to be upset that I even did this, but he's Can just- you say his name again, Yeshua what? Yeshua November. Okay, I wrote down two questions because I wasn't allowed, I mean, because it was better not to interrupt before. Could I ask you them now? Go ahead, of course, Rocky. Okay, thank you. So I wrote down now, this is way back. Why is it a question of Hashem being able to be in Teva if he's Lamalim Nateva? It seems like, like, so the fact that Einstein um, was able to do theory, theory of relativity, so he, the fact that he could do one plus one is two is a problem. Or a different example. I mean, if somebody is an amazing ballerina, oh, she's also a woman. Or she's also a human being. Like, oh, you know what Rocky, I'm saying? I, I think your problem is, and, and, and Baruch Hashem, a lot of us suffer from this problem. We can't even see the question because we've learned so much chasidus that we don't even see the question that other people can see. Okay. And I'm just saying that very often people suffer the erroneous idea that there is a separation between infinity and finitude. And very, very great minds embrace this idea. Like I said earlier, the Rambam speaks about this at length, but this is what led to so many other, the philosophical idea that the infinite God would not want to be or could not be enmeshed with a finite world, that somehow this would chip away at the infinity. We, Bar Hashem, are so privileged that we don't see the question, but we don't realize how we were raised like mother's milk on these ideas of atmos, where both of these things can coalesce. But it's, but it's not a stupid idea to think that infinity and finitude, never the twain shall meet. I think it's stupid. Okay. Um, I think that scientifically, like, or not scientifically, that's too much of a big of a word. I just think that it's like so, even in science, you have if have this so of course that this contains that it's, I, I, except that the whole idea of symptom is exactly that 
meaning it, you would think that it would take away from either either from the finitude of down here or from the infinitude of God. And that's why God, God Dafka made Tzimtzum happen. Because, but I understand why it's a killer question. I know, because, I because logically, because we're human beings and no, logically, no, infinity, logically, I don't think I, infinity I have a lot cannot of questions. Fit Infinity okay. cannot fit into finitude. That is the classic question. How in Hashem's greatness do, is the world still existing? Rahi. No, because if you have something infinite, it can get into finite. You only lo- know that because That's only from Hasidus. Okay, your problem is as a Kala is Sushain. The problem with the Shidduch is that the Kala is too pretty, meaning your, your question is, is coming from a place of learning in a way that people who didn't learn Hasidus, you can't even see the question anymore. This is good. This is good. Okay. For, by the way, it's not like I, I, I still have my question, but it doesn't matter. It won't affect me. Can I just say something yeah. wrong? Yeah, just- Esther, we're waiting for you to come in oh. and make the, the real Hiskalalos here. No, no, no. I, I think that maybe at some level, the concept of understanding this has to be connected to a, a neshama, a chelikulukami malmamsh. I think when we say that by goyim, there is chokma bagoyim tamin, but tayar bagoyim loy tamin, because they really can't understand. This lofty, this level of Abish there like this and like this, to them, they have to have a God that has mamushas. In every way they believe, there's a God of mamushas, a very a God of physical. Every type of their belief, whether it's Christianity or Islam or, or you know, or, or, or there's always a physical mamushas to it. 72 virgins, it doesn't make any sense in heaven. But they have to believe like that because the concept... You just sound jealous, that's all I'm saying. I said, what? Ricky, you can't understand. Uh, First of all, Esther, thank you. I don't think think the concept of Eberster that Ayit can understand is connected to Arkham. Now, I may be wrong, but to me, this is the way it seems. Because if you look at the worship of others, there is too much Gashmias in it. They need a reference point. And even we struggle with chassidus tremendously. It's so abstract. The Rambam explains, Rachi, how Avedazara started. Learn that. And, and that's really, I think, speaks to your question. They, they were unable to, to accept, again, that an infinite God could be and wants to be and is, you know, intimately invested and connected with a world of finitude. Anyway, okay, second question. Can I say something here on the first? Everybody, everybody can say. On the first question here, um, because I had this discussion yesterday with somebody that I learned with um, on the phone, and we were talking about finite and infinite and how Hashem could be both. And what I told her was that our brains are finite, and therefore they really cannot contain that concept that with all of our thinking and all of our, and, and it's important to learn and it's very important to learn, but at some point it's just a muna because we cannot understand how fine, we can understand that, that, that there's such a thing as finite and infinite being together, but to really understand it, 
you know, the, how should I say the, the, not the existence of it, but the real understanding of it, we are not capable of. Magic. And therefore, if we're trying to understand it, we're trying to do what a finite mind cannot do. And what it calls for at that point is a Muna. Anyway, that's mine. Thank you. But, but not Thank just you. we can't understand how finite and infinity live together. We don't even understand infinity. We cannot understand infinity. We could talk about it. We cannot understand it. Or, um, or according to this nature, I, this, I don't know about anybody else, but I'm reeling from this sicha a little bit because I feel like this has turned for, I, I, you know, I, I just read a book, a biography of Spinoza. I don't know if anybody's familiar with Spinoza. Um, and his whole thing is that God is nature. And it's, it, it's this whole concept is just mind boggling that it's not that Hashem does Nisim in Teva. It's that the whole thing is raised up in, I, I don't know. I'm just, I, I don't know if I want to learn it again or read all the footnotes or, but oh. I, don't know if, I don't know if it's just me, but this is, this is, uh, it's, yeah, it's mind blowing. It is. It is. I, to the, uh, yeah. <laughs> I'm just, okay. You no, know, um, I think, okay. So my second question is, um, I mean, it's going back. So it's like the whole question is based on the thing that Bachar Hashem, Bachar, right? The second half of the Sikha, the end of the Sikha, like the Anais um, and Tevin, how does it affect us, etc. Not how does it affect us. The second half of the Sikha. The question was based on it says a Bachar Hashem, as you could continue. I don't know, it's a while oh, back. Yeah. Like, what was the whole question? In other words, what was the question that Rebbe was ask answering? Rebbe was, was asking a question on the Medrash. And the Medrash. Right. So it's a Medrash. First of all, that was a Medrash. I look, I, yeah. it was a Medrash. Okay. Yeah. And the Medrash says, Mishabachar, Kadishbrochu, Bailamai, Kava, Bai, Roshe, Chadashim, Vishanim. Okay, so we understand how Yaakov Ubanov are an Indian of transcendence, right? The whole idea of Amhar. That's why I wanted to, to read the poem because we have to understand the whole idea of Bechira. We, we don't usually understand the idea of Bechira properly, that we don't have Bechira. True Bechira is only from the Abishra. That means that the Abishra chose. The means that there's no greatness about us. Our greatness is simply that the Avisha chose us for, for no reason at all. We and so our only our only Mila is that we're the Am Hanifkar. We're not the Am Hanifkar because there were pre-existing Milas. Okay. So we understand how that's correlated with Gaula, that's correlated with transcendence, that has nothing to do with Teva, etc. But why, when it says, it should have just said, but this is the Rebbe's point, the Hiskalalos of Shana and Chaydesh. Transcendence and imminence. The nature, the, 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 the miraculous within nature, etc., etc. It's all based on the question of a medrash. It's based on, on the medrash. And the Rebbe asks a question about the medrash. And it would seem if the medrash is trying to lay out this dichotomy, two different modalities, then why would it just say, Mishabachakash, Baruch, Baylam, Kavad, Boy, Shani? 
years, which is the Indian of Teva, which is the Indian of Sun, which is the Indian of Unchanging. I'll be there as soon as I can. Okay. Just mention that there was a, thank you. Come on, I could just mention something that I thought in the beginning. Yeah, please. Is it the recording should be all, just, just saying one of the letters, the 30 letters that Rabbi Shea is teaching now, I'm getting from the Bishop of Alumni, it's very nice, the 30 letters before you off listen. So one of them was very, very interesting that the Rebbe was saying, it was actually the first one, and the Rebbe was talking about how the Chassidim in, in I think in Chachban, Israel, that they didn't go home to their wives right after davening, right, Shabbos, and they, they, they stayed in for brains. Personally, for me, it was a very interesting thing. Without those details, I just want to say, and that it, the point was that Mr. Nefesh, and this is, these are my words that I always say, I always said it to my husband, you know, move to Uruguay, et cetera. I said, Mr. Nefesh, you should have your own, you should have, am I gone? Hello? No, no, oh, no. We see you. Okay. We hear you. You should have in your pocket. In other words, you have it in your pocket where you keep your phone. Like, I don't know, some men keep their phone in their in their pocket, right? You have Mr. Snuffish. If you need it, when it's important, when it's necessary, you have it ready to pull it up and you, you drop. But to live in Mr. Snuffish now in, then it was the 1980s, 90s, 2000. That's, I don't think that's what the Rebbe wanted. I don't think that's what it was called for. And, and that's where the, what the Rebbe spelled out there. And I, connection to what you said now, like in the beginning, right? The whole thing of Mr. Snefesh and Teva. Understand you should live in Teva with Mr. Snefesh in your pocket. And then that was the first letter of the Rebbe. I was wondering what you think of that anyway. I think it's very interesting that you brought it up because it is this Indian of Escalolos. The Rebbe does not negate the importance. If you read that letter again, you'll see the Rebbe does not negate the importance of men for bringing uh, at all. But the Rebbe says there has to be the Escalolos. There has to be this intersectionality. There has to be Shabbos. There has to be a meal. You have to come home to the wife and the children. And it's almost like the Rebbe is saying you have to bring the Fabrengen home. Right. And that with that, you elevate. And, and this is the idea that the Teva becomes yes. elevated by the Nisi. Right. You so that's why I brought it in. And, and, and yeah, so thank you, Rachi. That's beautiful. And that, and that the that's women have to say bring. I have a question here, but this is might be as, as I uh, was told in Bishrika here raising. But anyway, I have a question here. Uh, how, could Kash- they hear, how could they hear be raised when smashed uh, by, a, by a tichel or shaitel? So exactly, especially this. Uh, okay. This is so but delicious. My- and I have a meeting now. My husband has already called me for a second time. And okay. so rude. And also, I don't want to leave. Time. What's your question? No, 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 no. You continue. No, from I want to hear the question. Right? Or whatever. The Rebbe would bring every day at 1.30. So evening was over at 12.30. Uh, or whatever so what happened to the women the rest of the time so that's another whole question and that's making me and you Rifki. i don't know i don't want to no, you have no, so many paradox. women to bring with I, I, you you have to give me hazard this for bringing you continue I, 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 uh, I must Do you remember, Teva, this- even though I really want to stay here in the Ricky, nest. It's like you said, you learn, you, the more you learn, you're not going to find paradise. You're going to find paradox. So I, that's, I, I think I was, I think Rabbi Salvechik said that first. So let's give credit where credit is due. But, okay. Uh, okay. Uh, thank you. You guys should continue for bringing Vivi, okay. take it away. I'm so sorry. I don't mean to be rude. I just, <laughs> thank have you. No, it's not rude. Thank you so I much. Thank you so much. 
I, I, I have a good week. Just I want to mention again, Amira Orabas Michal Ronit, who is in labor right now. Um, she should have an easy birth and a healthy child. And Haravi Yisivisa Ben Simachasia should have a refuah shleima ba'ifen nisi. Amen. I think if we're quoting that letter, we should just keep in mind that the Rebbe also writes there that the women and the girls should fabrain. Uh, this was 1954. I think it was before the Rebbe even made it in Sheyub Benos Chabad. So, and you know, that the idea of men fabrenging is good, but they have to bring the fabrenging home. And um, I, I, I'll, I'll just add that around that same time, there was um, a group of college students who actually had yechidis. And my, my aunt was, um, was not yet married and she was part of that group. And at the end of the yechidis, they were able, the students were able to ask their other question. So she figured this was her chance. And um, my grandparents lived in Bensonhurst, which is like six miles from Crown Heights. So my, my grandfather would walk to the Fabrengans and my grandmother and my aunt were at home. She's the youngest one. And um, so she figured this is her chance to ask. So she asked the Rebbe, this was probably about a year or two before this letter was written. She asked the Rebbe when a husband, the husband or the father goes to Fabrengan. So that's very nice for him. Or he goes for Yantif to the Rebbe, whatever. But the, what about the women and the children who are left at home? And the Rebbe said that when a husband and a father goes to Fabrengan, he's not just going for himself, but he's going for the whole family. And what he brings home, and the way I remembered, wasn't even so much stressed that he would be repeating what happens, although it could be that it was, but what he gets out of that benefits the whole family. Um, and you know that he that he brings home the Fabrengan. And she said, which is actually what, what my grandfather did. But um, I, I think with in this particular letter that Eva also men mentions the importance of women and girls fabranging. And in some of the subsequent letters, especially in the, the a few days ago, the letter to Akutas Nares, a group of girls who were writing to the Rebbe, I think from Krachabad. And the um, and again, this is 1954, so you have to keep it in that context and what the world was like then. But, and the Rebbe is so much encouraging them to, to learn and to fabring and to, to know things. And um, the letter from yesterday, it's, I guess you could call it, um, talking about mysterious Nefesh, epigenetics. In other words, that and, and in a positive sense, I was talking about the serious Nefesh that the parents had, the grandparents, and this is under Russia and communism and so on, but that you have that not in the negative sense of um, the way we always hear about epigenetics of the trauma that goes, gets passed from generation to generation, but that ever flipped it around. And I think if one can say that really this applies to every Yid in, in one way or another, that the the mysterious nefesh that we have in our DNA, that it's a good thing. It's a strong thing. It's a strength, even from the trauma to take out from that, that what we have, the Yerusha, our, our, our moral DNA is strength, not trauma, that within the trauma lies strength. And let's hold on to that. I'm kind of editing a little bit over here, so I apologize, but um, yeah.
If anybody's not familiar with the 30 letters, 30 days, which is about halfway done now, because it's two weeks in, but it's on, um, it's every night at 10 o'clock and you can get it on, there's, there's WhatsApps, there's YouTube, but it's all, there's a website, 30letters30days.com. And all of the letters until now are there. It's about a half hour to an hour, depending on the night. Um, and every Thursday, it's a double shear to make up for Friday. And there are incredible, incredible, the, the letters that are just the whole thing about what does it mean to learn the Rebbe's letters? Um, it's, it's an amazing experience. If you're, if you're not familiar with it, I really, really would urge everybody to, it's like each, each night, I feel like there's more, you know, just jewels that are, that are being uh, polished and handed to us. Anyway. Thank you. Shalom, everybody. <laughs> Have a good week, everybody. Thank you. Be well.